I'd like to invite you to turn to the book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible. That's Psalm 133. We're continuing our series in the Songs of Ascent. And before we get there, I think I have just enough voice left to sing one quick song. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Wait for it. Happy birthday, the neighborhood church. Happy birthday to you. Whoop, whoop. We didn't make a huge deal of it, but May, uh, no, May, November 1st is the neighborhood church's fifth birthday. So it's good to be God's people together. We have traveled some life together, and we'll talk a little bit more about our church's story at the end of this message, but I hope that you were able in your neighborhood groups this past Wednesday, and if not, you'll have another opportunity this upcoming Wednesday to reflect back on what God has done through this church in one another. Five years, can you believe it? The neighborhood church. Amen, amen. So happy birthday. That's November 1st, this upcoming Monday. And tonight's psalm is a fitting psalm for just such an occasion. Because if you'll recall that road trip album of 15 songs toward the end of the book of Psalms is the songs that pilgrims would sing on their way up to the temple. And this is the second to last. And this is a short song that's meant to be sung with family around the table. Can you imagine they've arrived, they've had their worship, their festivities, and they have that sweet, nostalgic uncle or father or grandfather that raises a glass and says, isn't it good when we're all getting along and having a meal together? That's what this psalm is about. Let's read this short psalm, Psalm 133. I hope you're there with me. I hope you can see on the screen. Let's hear this song of ascent. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Here's what it's like. He gives two images. You ready? It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Matter of fact, verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. That's a good family toast. And I want to show you, it's going to be hard to see, three pictures of a family. And when we're talking about family in this psalm in particular, we're not just talking about moms and dads and kids. We're talking about God's family. And sometimes people approach God's family or the church and they expect something like this picture. I know it's a little grainy, but can you make it out? It's an illustration. Anyone want to guess what decade that's from? 50s. You're correct. It's the 50s. And what's hilarious is that serving dinner is sandwiches. It's not even like a turkey But despite their little peanut butter and jellies, would you say that this is an ideal picture of the nuclear family of the 1950s? We're missing a daughter. We're missing a a 0.5 children. 
But this is what some advertisers were leading people to believe was an ideal family. And some people imposed that kind of image onto a church family. And they want a church to have perfect people. People that won't hurt them, that won't disappoint them, that won't say the wrong thing. And sometimes if they do, some churches and church leaders would rather just ignore the issues altogether so that they might maintain this image that we are a perfect church filled with perfect pastors and perfect people. The only problem is if you're that perfect, you have no need of a perfect God. And if you're that perfect, you have no need to learn how to forgive and share and serve and bear with one another. So I'm not sure that this is a great idealized image to import into our perception of God's family, the church. So I'd hate to burst your bubble, but if you've come here tonight thinking this is a perfect church, we don't exactly look like this. We are imperfect people. Let me give you the second picture. I'm going to give you a moment to let your eyes adjust and shout it out if you can tell. This is from a movie. Okay, we've got one hand. Don't say it yet. Does anybody else recognize it? Raise your hand. Don't say it. Okay, one, two, three. Say it out loud. Incredibles. Were you going to say the Incredibles? Do you see Mr. Incredible up there holding the table? Does anybody see... Is her name Mrs. Incredible? No, oh, it's Elastigirl. Does anybody see Elastigirl? Raise your hand if you see Elastigirl. What is Elastigirl doing, kiddos? She's stretching her arms. What's she holding in her arms? Her kids. Does anybody remember this movie? Why is she holding her kids? Because they're what, Emma Grace Wood? They're what? Oh, kids fight? Is this a picture of a perfect family or an imperfect family? There's something. Will says it's a normal family. Sometimes we might have been burned by church because we've gotten slapped around by our brothers and sisters. And sometimes we can pro project this image onto a church. And I don't know about you, but whether or not they're serving sandwiches or a roast turkey, I'm not sure that I want to go to that dinner party each and every night. So maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum from the 1950s ideal family, you have this sad but true family, and a lot of churches can spend a lot more time fighting than forgiving. A lot of times we look at churches and we step in, and when we really start to spend time with the family, we see brothers and sisters fighting, we see parents trying to mitigate the disaster, and then you've got these precious little babies just lost in the corner saying, what in the world is happening? I don't want to be a part of this. What's interesting in this kind of sad but true family on the other side of the perfect family spectrum it typically happens when the small things that divide us become bigger than the ultimate things that unite us. Christians have a bad habit of letting a lot of little things separate us instead of letting the big thing like God and his love and the good news of Jesus coming to give life to the world. We would rather not let that unite us. We would let all the little things divide us instead. And so that happens too long and too often, and we get this kind of picture. 
I have a third picture for you, and it's probably somewhere in the middle. This is a picture of imperfect people. This is a picture of people in process. Some have been following Jesus for many years. Some have been following Jesus for only a matter of months. Can you tell what picture this is yet? It's from February 2020. Can anyone go back in their mind's eye and recall the time before? What is it of? Kids, if you know it, some of you were there. It's the what? It's the neighborhood table. Let me ask you this. Is the neighborhood table a quiet and tame place or is it loud and a little crazy? It's loud and a little crazy. Let me ask you this. Have you been sitting at a table at the neighborhood table at the rock and you've swapped stories with others? How many of you have shared some memories? How many have laughed? How about this? How many of you sat across from somebody who shed a few tears? In other news, have you shared space with imperfect people in process where love covers a multitude of sins so it doesn't matter if you're perfect or not and you found Jesus in the midst of these gatherings that can sometimes be a little bit crazy, a little bit loud, but a lot of bit life-giving. Amen? Building a family that's a work in progress takes something beyond us. It takes God, who is love and relationship himself. And so we may not be that perfect 1950s version. Well, that doesn't actually exist. That's why it was a hand-drawn image. And we may not be on the other side of the spectrum, constantly bickering and fighting like the Incredibles. But when we can work this sweet spot, I think we start to lean into what Psalm 133 says with their toast, how good it is when we can live in unity as brothers and sisters. Not faking it till we make it, not fighting under the table, but warts and all being God's people together. Amen? The truth is this. When we say yes to God's invitation, and God's invitation, let me tell you, is that you would find life and life eternal in Him. When we say eternal, it's eternal in quality. The very life of God, the life of heaven, the stuff that transforms and forms and fills with light, but it's also eternal in quantity. It starts now when you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you said, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. When you say yes to God who said yes to you and you find you're swept up in his life, guess what? You become adopted into God's family. Listen to this. As Eugene Peterson says, no Christian is an only child. Uh-oh, you ready for this? He says, or I say, to be God's child means living, growing, and serving with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. At the Neighborhood Church, every year we have a partnership agreement, and we look at it, and we prayerfully discern it, and the first line says the gospel, the good news of Jesus, calls us simultaneously to two relationships. You want to guess which ones? The first is a relationship with God, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second is what? A relationship with others. There are 
no only children in God's family. We're a package deal. And Psalm 133 reminds us that when it works, boy, that's a gift from God. Because it doesn't always look like that. Amen? But that's something worth singing and celebrating. So here's our big idea. And then I'm going to unpack those two images with the kids. We'll have a couple other nuggets and then we'll be done. Because I know there's something else on our kids' mind this evening. Here's our big idea. Real community. Not the fake stuff. Not the fighting stuff. Real community is a gift God gives his children to cover us and renew us. Why would I use those words? Because Psalm 133 uses those two metaphors of covering and renewing to illustrate this reality. And at our five-year mark, I hope today you're inspired, reminded, and encouraged that when it works, even though we'll fail you at some point, to forgive and work at this kind of real community will cover you, renew you, and help you in your journey with Jesus. Amen? Psalm 133 gives us two metaphors of this reality. The first is oil. Oil. Okay? Kiddos, I want to talk to you real quick. Because I don't know if you were listening to that passage of Scripture, but did y'all hear it say something about Aaron's beard? And you turned around and you looked at Owen and Silas's dad and were like, does he have that much of a beard? Also, his name is spelled differently. Did y'all remember this? The beard and oil. Did you hear about this? Let me tell you, kids, who Aaron was. Aaron was the first priest of God's people, Israel. Have y'all heard of Israel? Raise your hand if you've heard of Israel. Israel was God's people. Now we're the church. We're like Israel plus everybody else. You ready? But Israel used to worship God at the temple. Raise your hand if you've heard temple. Have you heard of this? And the people that would do the worship and work at the temple were called priests. And listen very carefully. People like Aaron would walk up and before they went and did their sacrifices and their offerings, they were covered in what? Oil. Can I get three volunteers to come quietly, gently, up front? I'm going to need three more in a minute. So kiddos, I want to show you what they would do. And you don't have to get it on your beard. I'm just going to give you a little touch to illustrate what we're up to. It's okay. Come on up. Someone that's not Will. Come on, Jacob. <laughs> Love you, Will. We've got Link, Emma. Princess, come on, girl. We'll get you next, my dude. All right. So, before the priest would do his special work, he would be covered with oil. And I'm not going to cover you with oil, but I'm going to give you a little bit, and I want you to kind of tell me, like, what it's like. Ready? Who wants to go first? Just give me your hand. You want to try right there? Okay. What do you think? Princess, here you go. What do you think? Emma's whispering, don't give me that much. And she gives me one finger instead of a palm. Does it smell? It smells like my beard. That's interesting. This is beard oil. What does it smell like? Does it smell good or does it smell bad? It smells like parsley. Okay, <laughs> chef. 
does parsley have a scent? So here's what they would do. They would put this oil on, and they would put it on their head. What do you think it would feel like if it went on their head? If you put, if you put like honey, so it's, it's thicker. Is it thicker than water? So, so kind of rub it in your hands. So then imagine it's going, that stuff, it's thicker than water. It's going all the way down your face, and it said it goes on this dude's beard. What do you think it would look like? It would look, it would like be drops and it would go down. And it says it would get on his collar. Do you think that the priest would smell it? Yeah? Oh, no. Did anyone just hear this? Okay, I don't think Jack's here, so I'll go ahead and say it. He said, this feels like whenever I touch my brother's hair after he hasn't showered for a few days. He is here. Good morning, Jack. You owe him some candy, my dude. So why would they cover the priest before he does a special worship with this special smelling stuff? Really think, and the, and the grown-ups, you can help too. I'll give you a hint. It's going to remind them of something. He wants to impress God? Hmm, maybe a little bit. What do you think? He what? Kind of? Even before baptism, what else? What do you think? So before he goes in to see God, he's like covered with stuff to get prepared. That's exactly right. Yes. That's interesting. What does a costume do? Does it cover us? So think about this. If we were to pour oil all over you and this person is about to go with God, would it remind him that he's covered and protected by God? He's bathed in this special stuff that would remind him as he's meeting with God. He could even feel it. He could even smell it. That look, he's covered and protected and bathed in God's love and God's presence. Can y'all give my volunteers a quick hand? Thank you. Can y'all go sit back down? Because I want to talk about what it looks like in our real life to live as God's family. Because we don't drench each other with oil. Although sometimes, and I have in the last month, I have anointed someone with oil because it's a reminder of God's presence and protection. It's an outward symbol of this inward or invisible reality of God's covering and protecting presence. How do we do this with our kids without grossing them out and making them think of their brother's hair? Here's one way I offer you every single day. Here's one way we're going to do it together if you have kids and you're within arm's reach in just a moment. The first is that every single morning when I take them to school or before we leave our kitchen, we pray that God would surround and sustain them. And girls, what do we say? To imagine as you're walking down the halls that God is what? He's surrounding you. Kids, what would it look like? How would it make you feel to walk down the hallway of your school or to walk down into some scary situation and just pause for a moment with or without oil and remember that God loves you and he's surrounding you and he's sustaining you even if you can't see it? It's true. 
They would use oil. We can use our prayer and reminding of the power and presence of God surrounding and sustaining you. Kiddos, it's going to get weird. Parents, would you, if you have a child within arm's reach, would you grab them? Would you hold them? And would you say, God surrounds you like I'm surrounding you. And then say, God loves you and I do too. And go give Will a big hug. No, I'm just kidding. I want our children who are future disciples, amen? What we're doing in this church is trying to disciple future disciples. And right now it's hard when we're all in here together. But we want you to impress upon them, surround them on their children and their children's children to know that they know that they know that God has said yes to them. God longs for them. God loves them. And you can show them that love in tangible ways until they say yes back. Amen? Would you surround and cover them in your prayer? Because this is what God's family is for, to remind our children of God's surrounding, covering presence. So the reason oil is the metaphor here, as this person is raising a toast and saying, isn't it so good to be brothers and sisters? It's just like when Aaron was covered from head to toe with God's presence. It feels like we're covered and protected in God's family. Here's the way we'll say it. Oil covers and protects. In God's family, you're covered and you're protected. You see, the thing about doing life with God, not as an only child, but with a church you can call and count on and pray with and for, is that you can be covered and protected. You don't have to do it alone. Amen? Amen. Here's the second metaphor. Do. Kiddos, how do we spell do? It's on the screen. It's not D-O. What, what, what is, nice, what is D-E-W do? Do you know what that is, kiddos? It's like condensation. It is condensation. Do you know what we're talking about, Sydney? When you go outside early in the morning and you feel the grass, raise your hand if you felt do before. You have cocoa? Yes. Now, I want you to think about those little droplets. What do you think it does for the plants and grass? Do you think it helps it or hurts it? It helps it. Because they need water to grow, right? Okay? So, now, when we're thinking about why this psalmist might include this, I want you to think about rock and summer. Raise your hand if you went to rock and summer this past summer. Okay? Was it super, super hot or super, super cold? It was hot. So now I need three more volunteers. Mr. Sarkis, come on, my dude. Yes. You can come to uh, Pain Boys. Come on down. We can, everybody can come. Have you ever been super duper hot in the summer, my man? Have you ever been to like Six Flags or somewhere? I'm, hold on to that because here's what we're about to describe. Come over here, Cohen. Y'all spread out. Now, when we were at Rock and Summer and it was super duper hot, the leaders 
were walking around and each of the leaders had something in their hand. They had a fan and what was with the fan. Now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about how hot it is outside and think about how sweaty and yucky you are. Think about how hot it is. And now, I want you to imagine that you feel, you can open your eyes now, this. What do you think? You ready for it? I know you're ready for it, Cohen. You ready, my dude? Cohen, you know you're ready for it, man. You know you would drink this whole thing if I let you. Come on, man. Come on, dude. There we go. So let me tell you this. It felt a little, how did it feel? And cold? So, so think about the time when you were super duper hot. Would this have felt good on you? You think so? You think? Does anybody want another spray? Because this is kind of fun. You? You want another one? Whoa. What do you think? Ooh, you're going to have some green streaks coming down. Whoa. Whoa. We could probably use a lot of these in this building in August. So, so listen to this. You can use 100 of them. Are you guys plants? Are you trees? No. So, so water like this helps those plants grow. How do, what do you think? How does this help you? Just getting a little spray like that to cool down. Let me ask you this. When you're at Rockin' Summer, when you're at Six Flags or the fair, somewhere that's super hot, and you feel a mist like this, do you think it helps you keep going? Doesn't it kind of make you feel good again? Or drinking water. You're right. All right, let's give another hand to our other volunteers. Cool. You guys can head on back to your seats. Y'all did an awesome job. Thank you for letting me spray you. That took a lot of trust, and I don't take that lightly. It's actually vinegar, guys. I meant to tell you. I'm just kidding. To me, in a word, I think why he would say this is when you're really at peace and comforted, comforted with God's people and living in unity, it's this, ah, it's this renewal. I hope that a space like this helps get you some new sense of newness and life and freshness to send you back into the heat and chaos of the world from where you came from. I want you to imagine that David, who's writing this psalm, that mentions it's not just any kind of dew, it's dew from Mount Hermon. Now, David was thinking of the tallest mountain in his neck of the woods, and that mountain was Hermon, and that mountain was in the north side with some people that had kind of started to separate from him. So David is writing this poem, and he's saying, man, when we get along, it's like the dew from the tall mountain in the north sprinkles and covers the whole land, watch, all the way to Zion in the south where God lives. When people live in unity, it's like we're all renewed, and there's freshness, and there's life, and from north to south, when we work together, it's as if this fresh rain from heaven comes and covers us. I hope that this 
is like a spray of mist in your face to help you, to encourage you, and equip you as you go throughout the rest of your week. Because real community, when we're united, is a gift God gives his children to cover us and renew us. It's not by accident that the oil and the dew comes from above. These are gifts of God. So I want to round home by giving you one more thought, and that's this. Unity isn't made, it's maintained. And if you think that sounds too crazy, let me read you this passage before we return to this. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, watch, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Did he say to make unity or did he say to maintain unity? You maintain something that's already been made. Unity isn't made, it's maintained. Unity is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit that knits us together, that unites us, and has turned us from strangers into family, and others into brothers, and difference into a united people that are not uniform, but we are united. Unity isn't made, it's maintained. And then we say, okay, well, how do you maintain it? How do you cultivate it? Well, here are some ways. We pay attention to each other. How do we pay attention to each other? Prayer, time, encouragement, counsel, compassion. And we do all of this because why? We've paid attention to Jesus who tells us to love one another as I have loved you. It's work, but it's worth it. Will we do it perfectly in this church? No. I'm so sorry to tell you. But would we maintain and work because it's worth it? Because you can only, as the scripture we just read in Ephesians, bear with one another and forgive one another. Watch. With one another's. To pretend to live as an only child is to shortchange your own growth and development. Because we need one another's to grow into Christ, into maturity. It's work, but it's worth it. And watch, it'll cover us, it'll protect us, it'll renew us, it will grow us. And it's the way God, who is community himself, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has formed us and sent us. Amen? So as we close, that's why five years ago when we became the neighborhood church, we said our mission is to follow Jesus what? To follow Jesus what? Together. For God's kingdom, not ours, in our neighborhood. That together is such a crucial piece. And it's so crucial in Dallas because church is too often somewhere you go, not a people to belong to. And we're inviting our neighborhood to come and join a family that we can follow Jesus together. And five years ago plus, 
after two founding leaders that were beloved and so vital and instrumental and had poured so much of their life and work, when they left into different ministries for different reasons, when they moved on and then our building that we were meeting in was sold and we crash landed at another building in Garland and a lot of people, as what happens in any transition, kind of reevaluate and say, we love you, but we're going to go too. And then money went with them when we felt like everything was sort of whittling down and changing, we discovered then that we not only wanted to change our name, we had to because we weren't legally incorporated as a church. It was as if God was sitting there waving his hand saying, do you not see a new thing that's happening? A new city, new people, new leaders, new opportunities, new place, So why don't you just go ahead and get a new name? Pastor Bud and I were the last to finally realize what God was trying to tell us. And I need to confess something to you, church. Those of you that were there then, y'all saw it in the way I was burning myself out because I believed a lie that it was up to my preaching and my leading and my planning to fix it. And that was a lie. And that was a false narrative. And so God was very gracious to wave his hands again and sit us down in a series of retreats with our leaders. And one such retreat, we were at the Vaughn's house that just got listed this weekend, right? We were at the Vaughn's house and it was our group leaders and we were all in a large circle and we were with Bob Hyatt, who at that time had planted a church in Portland, Oregon. He had come down through our missional church network, and he asked us a question. And the question he asked the leaders is, how has the journey of the church and all this change and difficulty, how has this journey affected your journey with Jesus? And to a person... I sat there having believed the lie that it was all up to me and I heard person after person say we and us. And I thought that this was just a a, a memory and I don't have a great memory and that's why I take notes in these books and I have for years. And I took notes in May around that time And I went back and I highlighted all these kinds of similar words. From Robert, I read relationships, other focus. Toby, you said family. Amy said his people, these people, these people, belonging, others. I started to highlight from Carla, they are family. Jared said, you showed us what a church family is to be known here. Kara, you said this church family is a witness to my biological family. I read we're, we are in for the long haul. I read slowing down to be with God, be loved by God, to love others. Not one mention of who's preaching because it's more than a preacher. It's always been more than a preacher. Not one mention of a cool website, because sometimes our projector ain't even going to work, because it's more than a projector or marketing. It was then, and it always is, about what God is doing in and through a people. 
And so this past week, when we start to reflect back and talk about what are some cherished moments or memories or things you're thankful to God, we had people in our neighborhood group share stories about how their student has been loved and supported and how this has become a family that I know will pray for me and we're not always all alike, but we love each other no matter what. It's more about us and we than it is about I and me. This is the way Jesus lived his life and it's the way he's calling us, not just these last five years, but for five and more as he sees fit. Real community, when we're united, is a gift God gives his children to cover us and renew us. He wants to cover you. He wants to renew you. He wants us to follow Jesus together, however imperfectly, because he is the one who is leading us and calling us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for this church, we're grateful for these people, and we're so grateful for your presence here among us and in us. We ask that you would bless us and inspire us and keep us safe and covered and renewed in your tender care as we follow Jesus, our shepherd king, to where he will have us. And we pray, Lord, through your spirit that we would reach out our hands more and more in love so that in the next five years, more and more people would be adopted, not just to our church, but to your kingdom family. Because if we're talking about growth, we don't want to just talk about more people sitting in this room. We want more people sitting at your table, knowing the love and life and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, our King. Would you help us and inspire us to reach out our hands in love so that we may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name, not ours. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. May we receive God's blessing like Aaron, rejoicing with precious oil upon his head. May we receive God's blessing like morning dew upon the mountains, valleys, and prairies. May we live together as God's family in the precious promise of life forevermore. And now, may you be covered in God's love now and each moment of your week, surrounded and sustained by the presence of our protecting God. May you be renewed by God's love now in each moment of your week, aware and alive in the body of Christ that grows us into his image. Go in peace.